The Next to Nothing podcast is brought to you in part by our partnership with Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is your one-stop shop for everything geek. Find discounted books, new and old games, and a variety of software. A portion of all purchases from Humble Bundle go to supporting a charity of your choice, like the American Red Cross, St. Jude's, Save the Children, and more. With $145 million raised so far, Humble Bundle is a great place to buy your games and help save the world. Use our affiliate link in the description of this podcast, and a portion of your purchase will not only go to a charity, but also help support the show. Visit HumbleBundle.com for more details. I like your glasses, man. Oh my god, I didn't change a thing. Hold on. Oh man. Oh, I just thought nice. you needed change. Fucking not. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Shut up. Nothing's happening. <clears throat> yeah. Nothing's just, happening um, right now. I like your logo, Ren. Thank you. I appreciate it. Super, super nice. Thank you so much. How you doing, fam? Hope right. great, bud. Cool. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> let's uh, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Next to Nothing, the show where we talk about how to waste your time and not your money in gaming. I am your uh, one of your hosts, Danny K. With me, like every week, um, we are inseparable. Uh, Renditions. I Hello. might disagree with one part of that, but hi guys. So yeah, I'm Ren. Hello, how's it going, guys? How you doing? <laughs> Hope you're we are attached at the hip, and you know it. That's not true. These are lies. And uh, with us this week, we have a very special guest. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce your name. Actually, fuck it, I am. So was <laughs> Wine Ein Fan. So was Wine Ein Fan. Close enough. Close oh, enough. That, that's my most shortened to fan because who can remember that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, we have Fan, uh, all the way from the beautiful country of Germany, joining us this week. Yeah. Hello. Seven hours welcome. ahead or something. I'm from the future. Yeah, I was gonna say, how is uh, how is tomorrow already? Tomorrow uh, is gonna be nice weather, probably like about eight degrees. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what that is in Celsius <laughs> or uh, in Fahrenheit. <laughs> eight degrees Celsius. Gonna what be is it like divided about... by three plus thirty-two? <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> about that, yeah. <laughs> by some some silly formula. Multiplied by pi. Multiplied some, by some pi. crazy mass, dude. <laughs> right. Yep. Oh man. So, <clears throat> yes, I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, wonderful. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, we got, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to start out with some news. Um, yeah, I, I uh, linked you, link <laughs> you an article. Yeah, it's, it literally just happened, basically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, Fan, I'm going to let you kind of go ahead and explain this. So, basically, Bobby Kotick gave an interview with um, Polygon, if I'm correct. Yes. He gave an yeah, interview well, with Polygon, and he kind of dropped a bit of news about Diablo Immortal, which was mm -hmm. uh, obviously announced like last BlizzCon, mm -hmm. and it was a shit show. <laughs> That's uh, the same because the yeah, they they I... didn't think this through at all, and now he dropped the bombshell that Diablo Immortals will bring back the auction house, which was so loved in Diablo Three, that they patched <laughs> it out. <clears throat> and kind of ruined the whole economy and had to repatch the economy. And now they're going to bring that back for Diablo Immortals with a big twist 
uh, that uh, the only thing that you can directly buy and trade in the auction house will be loot boxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Bobby Kotick explained this uh, by saying, we think this tweak will provide both a stable in-game economy and maximize the trading experience for players. And we'll improve, uh, we will improve this experience even further by adding exclusive items to this auction house, which will also be in loot boxes. It's just... <clears throat> I... uh, go ahead, Ren. No, you don't want me to. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's cool. It's chill. No, by all means, go right ahead. It's just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculously it's, true. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It's, yep. it's, it's very unbelievable. <laughs> this is such a stupid April Fool's joke. I'm sorry. I can't. I fucking cannot. Oh Why my didn't god. Why did you let me get? Man, I was gonna go on ahead and nope. My nope. 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 I refuse. I no way happening. Mm-mm. Why'd you ruin my reveal, man? I was gonna say this is some sort of off-season April Fool's <clears throat> joke. We yeah. would have been. Nope. Oh, I wrote an article on this thing. <laughs> no. I can't. Fucking I can't. Ren is a cuck. I can't. Yeah, yeah that's me. Hello, Mr. <laughs> cuck. Let me you just cuck. read out the other bit of the article that we get, didn't get to before. Uh, that's very true. Joke. That, no, yeah. What are you talking about? It's definitely a fact. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead with your facts. The other thing I wrote was, uh, when asked about possi- possible backlash from the player base, Kotick responded, we do hear the concerns of our players and we'll, we'll, we will be open to criticism. We plan to tweak the new system over time to guarantee a high standard of player satisfaction. But if players do not want to participate in the system, they do not have to. It will be completely optional. Since Belgium passed a law against loot boxes in 2018, the Belgium version of this game will not include the new auction house. Instead, the secret cow level from the game will be omitted and made available as optional day one DLC for the Belgium version only. (laughs) According to Bobby Kotick, this decision was made to make sure that on an international level, all players will have an even playing field when it comes to monetization. How much effort did you put into this April Fool's joke? Jesus Christ, I knew a a little bit of it going into it, but like... I didn't know this much. So uh, if you you might know that I was actually uh, working for an actual newspaper, a pretty big one in uh, Cologne for a while. So I was an actual journalist. So I literally just wrote like what I would write for that newspaper just with a made up story. Just journalisty things. He had a good old inverted triangle. uh, That's a media reference for those who uh, haven't um, spent any time reading about journalism. Or have an education yeah. in it. <laughs> Hi, that's me. <laughs> or have an education period. Or have also an education me. period. <laughs> also me. Wait, Ren, did you in like a basic uh like English class not? I've never learned lesson? English. You know what? I'm tend to believe you. <laughs> I'm gonna go with yes. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right, what's 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 happened? What are we talking about today? <laughs> Well, uh, now that you ruined our April Fool's joke. <laughs> yes. Yes. You cuck. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. You, uh, you've had some experience uh, of Risk of Rain. Yeah, I have. I, I've been playing Risk of Rain 2. Uh, it's the, the fucking next installment in the Risk of Rain series, I guess. I guess it's now a series at this point. Um, the original mm-hmm. Risk of Rain was a two-dimensional uh, action-style roguelike. Um, super cool, by the way. A lot of people during the time really loved it, and it was, like, a great 
game. Very, very simplistic, like, graphics for the most part. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, like, anything, like, super top-notch or anything like that. And I don't even think they used, that like, was, really any That was the one that got harder the longer you played, right? Yes, yeah. Um, and then they decided... Mm -hmm. The way that I at least compare Risk of Rain 2 is that it's actually risk of rain just in the 3d space and that's realistically all that it is very like nice looking i actually really like the aesthetic and really like the art style where it's this very like kind of oversaturated at times art style of like uh super colorful um i don't know it's super colorful it, it definitely looks like an older game and i feel like that's part of the charm of it where instead of, like, going for, like, these really, like, sharp, clean edges or anything like that, you could definitely tell, like, yeah, it's, like, a little bit blocky in certain situations, but it's definitely still, like, a great game nonetheless. Um, Almost polygonal? Yeah, yeah, kind of, like, polygonal a little bit. Um, I, I don't know, I had a great time playing it. I bought it for 20 bucks, um, mm -hmm. and during the time when I bought it, they were actually doing for, I think they did it for about two days, where if you bought a copy, they would give you another gift copy to, like, give to a friend. And uh, so me and another streamer friend were playing it for a while, and we ended up having a blast with it. Um, uh, to my understanding of what I heard, I never even got anywhere near this far, but I think there's 10 waves or 10 levels that you can go through, and each one gets progressively harder based on how much time you spend playing the game it's not necessarily like each level itself is harder like if you just bust from level to level to level and like super speed run times the difficulty will probably be like like normal or hard but if you just spend mm -hmm. your entire first level like looking for the portal to get to the next one it can be rough to find it sometimes it can be really rough to find the portal and you just don't know where it is and then you're just like oh god it's been 15 minutes it, we're already on hard mode i haven't left the first level i'm screwed i'm so screwed you get to the second level and you just get shit on and it's like okay great awesome cool so real quick yeah because you talked about like uh, one mechanic when you kind of talked about finding a portal can you run through a normal game of this real quick because i've never mm -hmm. played it yeah so essentially the way that goes is you get dropped into the map by kind of like drop pods like think of like halos like little drop pods for odsts mm -hmm. you get dropped into the map based on those and whoever is like with you that's playing with you um and your goal your your goal immediately is to find the portal and the portal just takes you to the next level it's very simplistic and like your goals is just get to a portal find gear Start portal, fight boss. If you win the boss, you get to leave. And then that's essentially mm -hmm. it. And you kind of repeat that process over and over and over again. Um, but the portal is at a completely random location every game. It's never in the same spot. So sometimes it'll just be like, it could even be right where you started the game. And you don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to start it instantly. Because whenever you start up the portal... That summons the boss. So, like, say you start it up instantly, and then it's just a boss, and you have no gear. All of the gear canisters are locked until the boss is over. Like, until the boss is dead, you can't loot anything. It, that's You're stuck with what you have. So, if you start it really early, you're just fucked. That's essentially how it goes. You get totally screwed. So you I spend... love games that screw you like that, honestly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so your main goal is that you try to find the portal, and once you find it, you try to let everybody know where it's at, and then you spend, like, however much time you can trying to get, like, a basic set of loot, maybe, like, some cool 
it functions in the way where kind of like uh, Binding of Isaac does, where um, you'll you'll get certain activatables, for example, which I call ultis. Apparently, they're just called equipment. Um, mm-hmm. And they have they have a fairly long cooldown, probably like 60 seconds normally. Um, and they'll do they'll do super cool things. Um, some of them are just like a basic heal. So like if you're low on health, you can just cast heal and instant heals due to full health. Some of them are actually like little healing drones where you can actually like look at teammates and then if you cast that ability, it'll send the drone out to your teammate and it'll follow them instead. So you can kind of control and manipulate things in that way. Um, some of them are just like crit boosts, things like that. Some of them are a lot more unique. Um, but there's things along those lines as well as passive things. So like some of them are just like makes you faster. Okay, sure, whatever. Some of them are like has a chance to slow or a chance to bleed or certain things like that. And there's different unlockable characters. I'll get to that in a bit. But they all have different kind of base kits. So like some of them, for example, will fire a ton of bullets that do almost nothing. Like they don't do a lot. They're really like meant for those things like bleeds, like slows, things like that. Where each chance that you shoot one of those little things has a decent chance of like causing a bleed. So you just like inflict nonstop bleeds and slows with that kind of character. Whereas another one is almost like an aimbot in a sense, where like it doesn't do a ton of damage, but you can just auto track wherever you're like whatever enemy you're looking at, and you can't really miss it. So things like that would be really well with like crit chance or something like uh, just more base damage than anything. Um, but yeah, it kind of functions in that regard where you're trying to balance out your passives and your actives and you're trying to get like a nice solid kit. And then once you get like at least a basic setup, then you start up the boss fight and then you actually like start going with that. Some of them are really simple. There's one that's like a beetle queen, which just summons out like random little enemies and that's all it does. But it's super weak of like a Mm -hmm. boss that you can realistically just burst it out without it really doing too much. And then there's one, which is kind of like a giant space jellyfish, which doesn't sound bad, right? Like it's a jellyfish. It's moving slowly, whatever. And then you take it out to about, I mean, you take it out to about half health. And then you just notice that like it casts a random giant ring and you're like, huh, I wonder what that does. And then the giant ring instantly kills everything. Like, if you're not hiding behind anything when it blows up, (laughs) you're dead. That's just it. So, like, you tend to get that as, like, a first-level boss. And if you're not, like, if you're new to the game, you're just like, what's this ring? Oh, we lost. Oh, okay. (laughs) Death is what this ring is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a game where, um... I mean, it's in the roguelike genre where it's focused on, like, learning what a character does and then how to, like, function Mm -hmm. around it. Not so much like it's just hard. It's hard because you don't understand why like certain things do what they do. And then you eventually build up that understanding of like, okay, so the jellyfish, when that ring gets cast out, all you have to do is just hide. You just have to hide for like two seconds and then that's done. And then you can go out and kill it. That's all you got to do. Whereas other things are just like really, really. I I don't want to call them aggravating. They were difficult when I got to it. So one of them, I think, the bosses, they kind of, like, show up in different stages. So, for example, you run into, like, the beetle and, like, the uh, the jellyfish and, like, another one, which is just kind of like a rock golem. You'll run into those in, like, the first two stages. And then the third stage, you'll run into, like, its own special enemy, right? Like, its own little, like, set of bosses that you can choose from. And then the fourth stage, it, like, also kind of uses almost that same set, but then it throws out another one called the magma worm. And 
it literally is just a giant worm of death that just goes up and down through the level and finds you and eats you. And then that's it. And then you're just like, I don't know how to escape the worm. Sounds so, pretty metal. <laughs> right? That actually, that's another great point. So this is something I didn't even really think about mentioning until just now. Um, in the original Risk of Rain, it actually had a decent soundtrack. This one has a mm. phenomenal soundtrack. Mm. It sounds oh. so good. Yes. Yeah. Normally, I'm the kind of person that tends to, like, turn off a game's music and then just play my own. This one, I, I, couldn't, that. I couldn't bear to do it. Like, there was no way it was going to happen. The sounds were, like, <laughs> super on point. The music was fantastic. It was, like, it was kind of, like, in its own heavy metalish kind of set. And I, I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic in that regard. Um, Yeah, fantastic game to play. I think you can play it up to four people. And you get, like, d like different unlockable characters. One of them, you start with, like, your own basic character which is kind of just like a soldier that has the ability to shoot and then dodge and then like um, do burst fire and things like that. And then you'll get another one, which is like an assassin. And then you'll get another one, which is a tank and crowd controller. And you you get like all these different characters. And I think there's supposed to be three more that are supposed to be unlocked soonish is an early access. So I think there's only like four base characters right now. But uh, I've been I've been digging it right now i've been having a great time with it definitely do recommend if it's just like if you're looking for a game to play with friends there's there's kind of a reason why gearbox was like gearbox is the one that like helped in the creation of it they're the ones that helped fund the game so mm -hmm. and you can kind of tell that it's in that area where it's definitely like it's just a rampant at some points it's just a bullet hell and you're just trying to like survive with your friends that's all you're trying to do and I, I don't know. I found it to be a fantastic time. It's definitely a great experience just to play with friends for sure. Um, if if you're curious on what it is, I mean, the original Risk of Rain went on sale a lot of times, and it's not a bad game even for today's standards. It's definitely okay. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're if you really don't want to throw down twenty bucks for it, maybe buy Risk of Rain. Get even like just a basic understanding because there's obviously a lot more that goes into the second one. But in the fundamental sense, it is realistically just Risk of Rain in 3D, which yeah. doesn't sound like a lot, but it really ends up turning out to be a really good experience. Um, I don't know. I, I ended up finding it fantastic. I even ended up contacting the devs. This is one thing I've never actually done before. This is the first like dev company I've ended up doing it with. But I ended up contacting mm -hmm. the devs and seeing if I can get a giveaway key for the game just to like see if they'll be open to it because a lot of like smaller devs tend to be open to that sort of thing or like indie devs they tend to be open to being like yeah sure we'll we'll give out certain keys you bought the game you ended up really liking it and you're convinced like you're helping other people understand that yeah this is a great game and i i've never found a game where i've just been like i don't know if i really want to like contact the devs this one definitely has been in that case though I feel like yeah. they'd be very open to it. I mean, they, they even on release of the game, they're all like, yeah, this is a buy one, get one free. Just why? Why? <laughs> why? Why not? I don't know. Definitely a great game for sure. Um, so I do have a question about the about just like in general with the game. Mm -hmm. Um, you said since it's in a 3D environment and you yeah. kind of said it can get really bullet helly. Yeah. Are there moments um, that it's drugged for you like the frames have chopped has it chugged for you at all only only like one time and it was super farther like it was super far into it um mm -hmm. i think it was just 
I don't know. I think it might have just been an early access bug because I even know some people that ended up getting the game and they have potato PCs and they ran it totally fine. So yeah. I'm I'm just assuming it was like an issue with the early access itself. There's a ton of stuff happening on screen and it ends up managing mm-hmm. it fairly well. Like, I, I know at one point there was like this boss that nonstop summons other enemies as well as all the enemies that are already on the screen. So it's like fucking 100 dudes and you're just like trying to survive. And it ended up running totally fine for me. There was no real issue in that situation. So, yeah, I, I was shocked about how well it ran. It's definitely like it's not a graphically intensive game by any means. The only way that I could even imagine it being graphically intensive is solely based on the amount of enemies that are on the screen. Like, none of yeah. them particularly look at, like, absolutely fantastic, like a marvel of uh, graphical creation. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. Yeah, because my concern with a lot of games like this is when they have, like, a lot of AI and particle mm-hmm. effects. That's when, you know, the graphics don't have to be, you know, 4K amazing yeah. for something to start chugging. Oh, yeah. Um, it just has to have a lot going on. Yeah. Um, so that just I'm, have been a concern of mine. But yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a that. lot going on on the screen, like almost mm-hmm. all the time. But it definitely wasn't like my PC wasn't struggling at all. And even because yeah. I know one person that even when he plays like Dead by Daylight, he ends up mm-hmm. actually going into like the config files and turning off a bunch of stuff so that way he could just run the game. And he ran this totally mm-hmm. fine. Like just getting up to like pretty high levels. Totally mm-hmm. A-OK, not even really struggling with it at all. So yeah, I'm a I figure it's pretty like lower end PC friendly. So yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much on that front for sure. Um Let me look up the uh the specs the recommended specs for this real quick but uh fan what do you what do you think and you have any questions or anything like on, that on risk of, of rain mm-hmm. um i the only thing i would want to know about it is if the difficulty scaling was tweaked compared to the first game because in the first game it was literally like every minute made the game harder about right yeah, so, so if you spent like 10 minutes in the first level it was already like your three yeah. levels ahead yeah, so uh, it does it does scale based on time, but it doesn't scale on the way that it used to, where it was a minute, which kind of made sense in that regard, because it was a 2D space. It's not very hard to really explore a 2D space, whereas in 3D, especially when the thing is completely random, wherever the portal ends up being, like when I started the game, I didn't even know you could get up to a certain area to go check that location for a portal. And then like I got there and I was like, it's been like 15 minutes <laughs> I didn't even realize this is a thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, Um, it scales. I think it scales difficulty once every five minutes versus the once every like one. So it's not it's not too bad. You can end up like getting pretty far in without like really too much struggle for sure. That was like my big issue with the first game is that I basically had to become a speedrunner to reasonably (laughs) get through the game. Yeah, that said though, like speedrunning this game has has to look like incredibly easy yeah <laughs> honestly i would not be shocked about like if it ends up looking super easy because the game at its base isn't entirely difficult per se it's just like the way that the scaling is the difficulty scaling itself so if mm-hmm. you ended up bursting through it like in the first few levels you're probably golden but uh but yeah uh, i never had that experience <laughs> every time it was always just like five minutes we got the portal we got gear we're already to another difficulty level but yeah, definitely fun for uh, sure. So just a quick look at the system specs for people, because um, I know 
yeah, for our for our audience, this is probably something that's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, requires a Windows Seven or newer uh, machine, sixty four bit. The uh, minimum uh, processing unit is an Intel Core i three sixty one hundred or an AMD uh, FX eighty three fifty. Yeah, uh, four gigs of RAM, uh, GTX five eighty or an AMD HD seventy eight seventy with DirectX with DirectX 11, version 11, uh, broadband internet, and four gigs, of sp- four gigs of space available on your hard drive. Now this is, of course, and they note this on Steam, is an early access game. So some of these things mm-hmm. might be subject to change depending yeah. on different drivers or whatever you know they need to uh, implement into the game to get it to be uh, a finished state. Yeah. But I mean, that being said, that is super low specs like that. Yeah. That's like I go to work and I get on a really like crappy PC specs. <laughs> I should mm. be able to run that on pretty much anything, honestly, mm. like an i3. And it, I, I don't I haven't seen an i3 forever. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just haven't. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I feel like that should be able to run on almost anything, honestly, with those mm-hmm. kind of specs. Um. Yeah, and then it's also available just for Windows 7, it looks like. Uh, yeah, it doesn't say anything else for Mac yeah. OS or anything like that. So, sorry, uh, Mac OS and Linux, folks. Um, yeah, you guys rip. can figure out how to play this some other way. <laughs> rip you guys. Dup, dup, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anything else on this? I guess I think... what... I think the what one other thing that I mostly just forgot to mention, too, is uh, yeah. just in case you don't want to take my word for it, it's one of the few games that's overwhelmingly positive on Steam. I even just yeah. like took a cha- like just took a little glance. It's a 10 out of 10 on Steam right now, mm-hmm. which is pretty fucking solid. I mean, a lot of people like hating on a lot of different things. So see that this yeah. is like doing this well is a pretty, pretty good sign for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to ask, uh, what what uh, playstyle have you been leaning towards with this at all? So, oh man, I, I don't know, because the th- way that it tends to go is that you end up like trying to figure out a loadout that you're going to end up doing while you're playing. So like, mm-hmm. say you start the game and you're just playing as a basic character, you're playing as a starter character, and you end up getting like a bunch of things that really like slow and bleed and things like that. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, I'm probably not going to do a lot of damage personally. But if I like yeah. try to focus on trying to find like attack speed things, so that way I can really apply these slows and bleeds faster and things like that, that might help out a lot. Um, um, so I mean, you have those in pretty much every roguelike, though, because you don't know what items you yeah, will have exactly. the chance to get. Exactly. It, it, it tends to be really difficult to just like figure out a base loadout. I mean, you can kind of get an idea mm-hmm. like just from like whatever character you end up starting with. So like once you start getting farther into the game, you end up unlocking more characters. Um, I ended up sticking more towards like the tank and the CC type character. So like whenever a teammate's all like, I found something that slows enemies. I'm like, hell yeah, dude, I'll take it easily. Mm-hmm. You can have the damage buff. I don't care. Whatever. It's fine. Um, but yeah, it, it's always like, a, a, like it could be whatever. I don't know. It's, it's in the roguelike area. It mm. tends to be really difficult to find like what kind of playstyle specifically I end up sticking with. But yeah. Cool. I mean, you mentioned Gearbox. We might as well go into that next. I yeah, I yeah. There, so there was like a, a bit of a kerfluffle, a clusterfuck uh, with the Gearbox. 
Uh-huh. Let, let's call it a press event. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't watch it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have I don't have an affinity for uh, Borderlands really. Um, so mm-hmm. I just knew this was a keynote I wasn't gonna watch. Or, uh, yeah, neither do I. But I watched it afterwards. I didn't watch it live. But after I heard the reactions to it, I just had to see it for myself. Yeah. Because holy shit, that was probably like the most unintentionally funny president I've ever seen. That was so depressing, dude. Yeah, I watched I watched almost the entire thing. I missed like most of it. I basically mm-hmm. showed up when they started announcing Risk of Rain 2. And then after like all the way after that it was when I was watching. Um mm-hmm. oh my god. It was so depressing. I felt so bad. For the uh, oh, the gearbox yeah, it was, devs, it was completely unprepared. It felt like yeah, uh, so, it was very flawed and was yeah. just nothing together, right? Just like the games do. Just tell me uh, that there was a please clap moment. Honestly, oh, so they're D- kind 2016 of twenty sixteen Jeb Bush cut there. It wasn't necessarily <laughs> that like the Borderlands presentation was bad, realistically. Mm. I mean, like, the main issues was with PAX itself. Like, half the time, because what the main things that uh, the Gearbox devs were showing off is that they can run a whole bunch of stuff in 4K, and they're updating, like, a whole bunch of stuff. They're remastering tomorrow, actually. They're remastering Borderlands 1, 2, and the pre-sequel. And that Mm. update's completely free for Steam users, and I think you might have to buy it for uh, consoles. I'm not sure on that part. But... Mm. It was like 4K updates, and that was like the real big selling point on it. But the issue yes. was, is that the packs, like the people that were running packs, the video, like the videographers on it, didn't mm-hmm. use like a proper media player to run a 4K video. So it ended up every single video they showed looked at it was like it was five or six FPS. And I felt so bad. For like, I felt so ungodly bad because you can even like towards the end, um, it was even happening when they did the Borderlands three reveal. It was that was the worst moment because like, yeah, the Borderlands three reveal actually looked amazing. I didn't have any issue with it. I'm I'm personally a Borderlands fan, so I was like, yeah, this looks great. But oh my Mm -hmm. mother of god, it was running at six fps. They ran the video twice trying to run it. And like that was both the times, worst moment for me personally. Yeah, both Every times time the video was video. fucked. Like it was completely fucked. And oh, so no. yeah. And at one point, like the main the main dev lead is like, guys, I I know you're trying, but please, could you actually get it working this next time? For the love of God. <laughs> it was yeah. it was so rough. Oh, I genuinely no. felt so bad for the devs. I can't and you... I can't stress it enough. A lot know. of people felt like really like they thought that the Borderlands guys did it. And I was like, no, no, come oh, on, man. No. Yeah, exactly. They thought it was like an issue with the Borderlands set itself, like with the Gearbox devs. Oh. But like, it's so clearly on PAX's end. Like at one point, the guys are like, man, I should just brought my own computer. <laughs> I could have just brought my own computer and ran it. And it's like, man, bruh, I'm so sorry. That's a really important thing. I mean, I'm of yeah. the opinion that first impressions are everything. Like, first yeah. impressions really go a long way. So when PAX, explicitly PAX, fucks up all of your first impressions, oh my god, it hurts. Yeah. I, felt, I felt so fucking bad. Dude, that's, um, well, first off, I, I, I can just tell you that somebody in that video production team got reamed. Yeah, 
No, like, for sure. Absolutely. Like verbal and maybe some physical abuse. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that job on that day. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll never work in this town again. This is probably just, uh, said. I, I couldn't believe that was an issue. I mean, like, really? Come on. It's it's PAX. It's literally a convention mm. about showing off games. And yeah. like. Does nobody know what VLC media player? I, I just I didn't understand. They were using like Windows media player, I think. Is that what somebody ended up catching? And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how did this little detail just get missed? Who was running the computer? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, it's I not the know. first time that I've seen like a video no, it's not. presentation being resetted. I think it was uh, Uncharted like two mm -hmm. or three ago. Yeah. That they had to restart the video because the guy didn't move. Yeah. But like this Borderlands thing, that was the worst instance of that I've ever seen. Yeah, it like, was it was really bad. Honestly, it's gonna have like a really rough start when it comes out because of yeah. this. Yeah, it's honestly, the actual the presentation itself. Once they got the video working, which took them literally like three tries, I don't know how. It's literally running a video. You just get the right player, but I mean, whatever, it's fine. Um, so once once they actually got the player working, it looked fantastic. I was really excited about it. I was like, yeah, there was even a part where it was like, it was guns with legs that run around and shoot people. And I was like, this is fucking great, dude. I can't, I can't handle it. I can't. But like, oh my God, I, that's rough. That's all I have to say is that's rough. It, it's especially rough because hasn't Gearbox dealt with a lot of Gearbox? Over the last yeah, Gearbox years? has been struggling pretty hard uh, with uh, Aliens Colonial Marines being a big and then, yikes. That's one special edition well that as, they uh, with um, uh, G2A, this G2A thing that happened uh, like last year. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember that. That, that was um, also Gearbox. Yeah. Uh, there <laughs> was also. Oh my god. Battle Right. Not Battle Right? No, not Battle Right. Um. Yeah. It was the one that was competing with Overwatch. Oh, um... Battleborn? Battleborn. Yes, That's yes, right. it was Battleborn. Um, with Battleborn, like, they put a lot of effort into Battleborn. I even played it for a little bit, and it wasn't necessarily bad, but, like, there was no player yeah, that base was there. The most tragic thing about it, it was pretty good. It just had too much um, visual effects in your face all the time. That was yeah. literally the only issue I had at the time, but everyone was, like, cramming Overwatch in front of it, even yeah, though exactly. it was a different game. Exactly. And it's, it's just like straight the entire player base. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was realistically like nobody played Battleborn because Overwatch happened. And because Overwatch was such a hyped game, people just went to that instead. Like, it, it's not necessarily that they're the same game. They're actually quite different. I agree. It's and just like a lot of people Blizzard perceive Plantis. it as the same thing. You know, Blizzard is... Plantis, they moved the Overwatch release date. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... So yeah, with with the fail of uh, Battleborn as well as uh, the fail with Aliens Colonial Marines, which was definitely not a good game, um, they've definitely been on the struggle bus. I like. There's no way that they couldn't not announce Battle or Borderlands Three right now. No way, mm. impossible. I could not possibly imagine them just be like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna release a game that's not even in the Borderlands series," because I almost guarantee it would not succeed. Mm. Almost just straight up, there's no way. Um, but it looks like they ended up putting a lot of effort into Borderlands 3, to be honest. There was a yeah. lot of, like, uh, they ended up showing quite a bit. Um, they showed a little bit of gameplay, which honestly, 
like you kind of know what you're getting into in Borderlands gameplay. I honestly didn't even really care about that part, but they ended up showing a lot of cool settings and stuff like that, as well as like the playable characters, things like that. I thought it looked great. I thought it looked fantastic. I'm mm-hmm. definitely really sad that uh that PAX fucked it up. But so I Ren, mean, you mentioned that you like Borderlands, so yes. I want to ask you what you expect or what you wish for in this new game. I can quickly tell you what I want. I want really cool like skills to use, mm-hmm. like active skills. Yeah. I yeah. want less grind. Normally done multiplayer where you don't have to grind someone up from the beginning if he joins later. Mm-hmm. I want Tiny Tina back, and I want <laughs> I... to check them correctly again. Yeah, I think everybody wants Tiny Tina. I don't think there's any person in the world that's like, nah, we don't want Tiny Tina back. Um, and if that happens, I'm I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm content. <laughs> I, I feel like there's not a whole lot I really want out of a Borderlands 3. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want some like more unique uh, skills because a lot of them in Borderlands 1 and 2 were fairly basic. Not necessarily a bad thing, but they were fairly basic. Um, and we're starting to get to the age where there's a lot of like even in terms of like MOBAs, which is kind of what I look towards when I see like unique abilities. There's a lot of like really cool abilities that are thrown into those kind of games now. And I feel like mm. Borderlands can really take a look at that and just be able to, like, bro, we can make some sick ass abilities that nobody's even gonna think of. Um yeah. uh more loot, I obviously, but like I mean the they already announced game. like more loot. Um sorry, go on. Go ahead. You're fine. I would also make the argument that right now Apex is such a big game that yeah. shows you how to do a character with specific skills correctly in a way that's engaging yeah. and immediate. Yeah. And I think Borderlands could do well with like a skill system from Apex. Mm-hmm. I think that could work. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily opposed <clears throat> to that at all. Um, I think... Oh my god. I, I The one thing that I have been wondering, there's been one thing... Uh, I probably got to even get a little bit of flack for this because this might get a little political, but we're kind of at the age where a lot of people are a little bit too sensitive. I feel like that's a fair, fair point. A lot of people might be just a little bit too sensitive. That's as far as I'm going into it. I'm not I'm not getting like crazy on it, but I'm kind of worried how people are going to see Borderlands 3. Like because Borderlands 1 is not it's definitely not a game that's super like family friendly. The entire series has a very raunchy humor. Exactly. But I, I mean, like, uh, exactly. people are fine with South Park, so um, if South yeah. Park is fine, I think Borderlands will be fine as well. Yeah. I don't uh, see the big issue there. Thought. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to see it upped, because you could definitely yeah. tell, at least in Borderlands 2, it, it gets a little bit downplayed. It's, it's definitely still <laughs> funny, but they also kind of, like, chill off, like, the raunchy humor just a little bit. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind seeing it, like, lifted up a bit. I have no issue with that. That's kind of one of the big things I go to Borderlands yeah. 3 for, because it's like a Give comedy. Give me face Max Shooty Jr. <laughs> exactly. Get, get a little bluer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Maybe, maybe get the humor a little blacker. You know, a little bit darker. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically where I'm at. I, I don't want them to get scared by a community that's like a little bit too sensitive. That's That's the thing I'm worried about. Yeah, I don't want people to be like... Wow, Borderlands Three is really like going on the anti-feminist train, but it's really like not. I mean, you got like two characters Think that are female. Children. One of them's yeah. a strong female like character. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's the one thing I'm worried about. I yeah. I yeah. really hope the community doesn't shit on it because of some random ass reason like that. Some That's... some off color joke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
because that's that's come on it's borderlands yeah. of course that's what you go into it for mm-hmm. but uh but yeah that's that's all i gotta say really i cool. i think it'll do well i i really do i don't expect it to fail um it has a pretty uh firm fan base yeah so I'm, exactly. I'm not too worried about it but like outside of that fan base yeah, uh, it didn't exactly. do too. It didn't grab too many eyeballs with that yeah. presentation, so that's gonna be an issue. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? The the remasters actually look really good. Apparently, they're taking Borderlands One, which is my personal favorite Borderlands. Um, they're kind of bringing it in line with Borderlands Two. Borderlands One had a lot of like weird issues with it, where in a looter game, it, you couldn't necessarily pick up all the items at once like you can in Borderlands 2 you can kind of just hold the pickup button and it picks up like the entire fucking room and in Borderlands 1 it's like you pick up this dollar bill and this dollar bill and this dollar bill so I guess they're fixing that it has three numbers you pick it up (laughs) yeah exactly um I I, apparently they're fixing the pickup system they're adding a mini map which wasn't into it like in the first place which is super cool um there was an issue for me because I'm terrible at like navigating Yes. So I need yeah. maps. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think if I remember right, they're also giving for people that know the Borderlands series, I think they're giving 50 golden keys for Borderlands 2 owners, which those those are how you can like unlock free, quote unquote free, special legendary weapons, which can be end up super cool. Um they end up like giving out keys all the time but 50 keys is a lot of keys like you could kind of just get an entire like loadout of legendary guns forever and just be like ta-da get fucked <laughs> but uh but yeah Easy i mode. want that if i could stream a lot ta-da get fucked <laughs> <laughs> oh man um but yeah, and they're also taking everything up to 4K, which I personally, I don't really care about that. That's whatever to me. But I know a lot of people will be really excited about that. I'm just excited to see Borderlands 1 given some love because mm. that game, while it it's definitely my favorite, there's also a lot of issues with it. And a lot of the issues mm. are getting addressed, and I'm super happy about that. Borderlands 2 felt good, just not great. Like, it didn't hold the same appeal to me as Borderlands 1. Which is kind of that that's kind of the direction I wanted to go back to, really. I wanted to go back towards more like raunchy humor sort of thing, which is why I'm like a little hesitant on Borderlands 3. Still like it. Think it's gonna be fantastic. But yeah. That's all I gotta say on the gearbox situations though. <laughs> yeah. That's yep. pretty much it. I think we're done with this. <laughs> yeah. Um so fan. Yeah. You you came on, you wanna talk about uh about a game that kind of grabbed you. Um Yes. Where um, water tastes like wine, correct? Yes, this is the title. Um, the title alone was enough to hold my attention because that's like mm. a really poetic one. The yeah. premise of this game is that uh, you lose, it starts off, you lose a poker game against the devil in, in the form of a wolf, voiced by Sting, uh, the musician, not the wrestler. <laughs> and uh, it plays in the United States during the time of the Great Depression. That's where the mm. game is set. Uh, because you lost to the devil, um, he strips you of your flesh and sends you around collecting stories. And that's kind of what you do. It's a very weird like gameplay thing to do, because literally it's a game about telling stories, which mm-hmm. makes the storytelling aspect in- extremely interesting. Now, outside of the storytelling aspect, there are like 
three quick things that I have to go through to like really paint a picture on what it is like to play this game. Mm -hmm. First, the art side is absolutely gorgeous in the 2D parts. The world map that they did in 3D looks a bit plain and flat, and it lacks detail, and it's not really good. Uh, but when you're in the in the actual stories that are happening, they have like little drawings accompanying them, and those look fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, the music in this game is absolutely phenomenal. I would literally urge every one of you who maybe like the Bastion soundtrack, um, mm -hmm. or in general bluegrass music or blues, to uh, go to YouTube and listen to that soundtrack, because holy shit, that soundtrack is uh, playing while you wander around the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a while, you're gonna really have like earworms from that. Like you're, you're walking through Texas and you're hearing like "White Rider, White Rider." <laughs> I had like a stream where I was literally busting into that song like out of nowhere because I just had it stuck in my head. The music is so good. Now, um, the gameplay is literally you wander around the country, which is like a downscaled map of America. Which has some pros and some uh, cons. Of, of course, you couldn't have like a one-to-one -one scale because that would take you too long to wander through the country. <laughs> right. But also because of the downscale, mm -hmm. uh, Delaware became so small they couldn't put anything in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can, there's nothing you can do in Delaware because it's too small. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, even Iowa had stuff going on in it. So come on. <laughs> You walk through the country and you pick up stories and then they get like narrated to you. And mm -hmm. there are like little uh, decisions you have that kind of, like kind of change what the story gets about that you will tell. Example, I came to like a cornfield with like kids walking, uh, working in it, right? Child's labor, uh, time of the Great Depression, that's like a thing that happened. So uh, I'm, I'm seeing all these kids working, and one kid is lying in the field, just sleeping. Mm -hmm. Now, the game gave me two choices. Either I can walk away, which would then give me the option to tell the story of the uh, lazy worker. Mm -hmm. Or what I did was I chose to approach this guy, try to wake him up. At which point the other uh, children stopped me from uh, going towards him. At which point I saw that this guy wasn't sleeping, he was dead. Oh, God. So that changed, <laughs> okay. the, that changed the entire story. Um, so I went around, uh, told the story of the child that worked himself to death on a cornfield. Mm -hmm. And what the game then does is the characters, there are 16 characters that you uh, meet at campfires mm -hmm. that you uh, recurrently meet. And those are the guys that you tell the stories to, and they tell the stories to other people. That's how the story spreads, and the story also evolves. So later, you can get your stories retold to you in a different way, and then the story of the child worker that worked himself to death became the story of an entire group of child workers uh, working themselves to death, which is less true, but more right. exciting. So right. that leveled the story up, and then you can tell that to other people. And that I, the highest I've gone was like three levels. So okay. uh, pretty normal stories can go to ludicrous levels. Mm -hmm. That actually and sounds really a, cool, to be honest. Yeah. The interesting and mind-blowing thing to me is that what I just did, like the way I told the story, is exactly what my character in-universe does to the people at the campfire. The mm -hmm. exact same way. He tells mm -hmm. the story like that, which makes, makes me connect with the player character. 
Mm -hmm. So it's like a really engrossing experience where everything, like the art style and the music and everything is pulling you into this atmosphere and makes you really, uh, I don't know, it, it does things to you. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> um, the stories, on, on average, the stories are mostly on the sad to depressing side. There are some, there's some ghost shit that happens. Like mm -hmm. some of the stories get really disturbing. But okay. also there are like positive stories, like uh, there was a sunset I watched and with some random girl, like, no, it wasn't a sunset, it was the eclipse. So the eclipse happened. I watched the eclipse with a strange, stranger woman. Mm -hmm. And during the eclipse, we shared a passionate kiss and then we went our separate ways. That's like a positive story. And that one changed into um, uh, the moon whose light made everyone fall in love or something like that. It was something <laughs> ridiculous at the end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And oh, really cool is that because you meet those 16 characters at campfires regularly, mm -hmm. you really get to connect with them. Um, the mechanic where you do tell the stories feels a bit stilted. Like they say, say like, I want to hear an exciting story. And then you have to pick one of the stories that you think is exciting. Mm -hmm. And since they don't give you enough clues to really make the judgment call, sometimes you're just wrong and they don't like the story. But it's out of play then for them. You can't tell someone the same story twice. But the more you connect with these people, the more they open up to you. And uh, their characters develop in a very organic way. For instance, there's like a black guy that works in a train. He is like someone that serves the passengers, right? And at first, when you talk to him, he's like a very positive guy that, that is like, you know, I just want to make my customers smile and stuff like that. And the more you talk with them, the more you realize how much he has to deal with racism mm -hmm. and uh, how bitter he actually is about that. And there was another guy um, whose name escapes me right now. Oh, Cassidy. Cassidy is what his name was. He is a poet that uh, kind of lost um, the love of his life, kind of. Um, a man named Silas. Mm -hmm. And he's com that like completely darkened his worldview. So he is like lamenting how he didn't really knew how Silas viewed him. And the more you talk with him, uh, like at first I was like, hey, I connect really well with this dude. I like this guy. And then later on, it became like, I'm really not sure if that love was two-sided. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's like interesting. And I think the goal of the game is to have everyone uh, connect with you in a way that you can see their true selves. Because uh, after you've spoken with people long enough, you see their true self in a way that's like, they kind of look like a monster, but it's really just a reflection of what their true self is. Mm -hmm. it's really, it was very jarring to me when that first happened. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the game is not really clear at, at what point you have beaten it. I don't know what the end goal is. I'm assuming that I have to level everyone up, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. That's why I don't know how long I will stream that game because I literally don't know at but at what point I've beaten it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But it definitely yeah, that's sounds like really interesting though, to be completely honest. I, I really like yeah. the concept of storytelling in that manner, for sure. Yeah. If you are in any way interested in storytelling as a concept, I think this is a must play. You just have to uh keep in mind that during the time where you walk around the, the land that, that looks very flat and not very good, mm -hmm. uh, you wrestle with the camera a lot. There are frame issues. Like the game on, on this part where you move the char character is definitely not optimized. And that's because there is so much narration and so many stories in this game mm 
Right. That they literally ran out of space, so they had to cut corners, and you you could feel that. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. There are two neat little mechanics in the overworld, though. There is um, you can hitchhike. Like there is a button that makes you hold out your thumb, and when you're near a road, someone may pick you up. People just drive by like assholes, like in real world. But um, <laughs> like I do. some pick you up. At at what point it's completely random when they will drop you off. Mm. Someone may take you the entire Route 66. Mm -hmm. Or someone may just drive you 100 meters and let you out immediately. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Could have just walked this, but okay. <laughs> yeah. the, and the other neat little thing is there is no sprint button per mm -hmm. se, which may make the walking feel too slow for you. Mm -hmm. But there is a whistle mechanic, which kind of is like a little, um, a little rhythm game that pops up during which your character walks a bit faster. Okay. Which is very, which a very cool idea. It also works with the whatever music is playing in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, that's like the tune he will whistle. So he'll whistle along to the background music, which oh, is a cool. really, really cool little thing. Uh, it's just bad for me as a streamer because during that time I have to uh, concentrate on the rhythm game. I can't look at chat. Right. Mm -hmm. But if all of that doesn't sound like a problem to you, or you are willing to put up with that in order to get to the actual focus of the game, which is the storytelling mechanics, mm -hmm. uh, then I would say this is a must-play. Hmm. It's not expensive either. I think it's around ten bucks or so. Maybe uh, yeah, twenty dollars American. Uh, oh, twenty dollars American. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's still fair, I would say. Like, like I said, you have to uh, look at the overworld thing and see if that's worth it to you or not. Right, mm -hmm. but I would say it's still a must-play. Uh, in when in doubt, wait for a sale, but definitely pick up the soundtrack too. Yeah, the the aesthetics of the game are are gorgeous. The very Americana, you know, this this screams Americana. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, uh, almost in some of these parts, almost looks like the old school um, postcards that you could get in the United States. Uh, from you know, like Route sixty six and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There's an achievement if you hitchhike along Route Route sixty six. Also, there are really cool achievements in this game. There's one that you can't get. I'm not going to say anything more about that one. <laughs> but aside from that, uh, it's it's a really cool, neat little game. And it made me think about storytelling as a whole because uh, when you look in a triple A space, storytelling really seems to be well. We have to do a campaign, so here's a story. Move from A to B, shoot some guys. Mm -hmm. They are literally included just to have a story. Whereas yeah. in the indie game space where everything is sometimes built around the story, um, you get like a, a lot of really cool experiences that I just had to think of when I played this game. For instance, the Stanley Parable. That's yeah. like, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure pr most people have played that at this point because it's literally, uh, it's been streamer bait for a while because there's so much <laughs> stuff happening in it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's for, uh, one of the best storytelling games. Like, yeah, for I would a tend to long agree. time. Yeah, it's slated for a re-release re uh, later this year, so I'm not going to spoil too much of it. But mm -hmm. for those that don't know, because most people don't tell you much about this game, uh, so most people don't know what to expect when they go into it for the first time. Basically, the premise is that you have a narrator who is saying things like, "When." When coming to a set of two open doors, Stanley walks through the door on his left. But yeah. he says that before you actually walk through the door, so you can decide to follow along the narrator or go against what he's saying. And he reacts accordingly. And this gives like way to 
a lot of very interesting storytelling moments that just mm -hmm. sometimes are just like a punch in the gut. And sometimes they are really sweet and endearing. And this narrator is just masterfully voiced. And uh, that's pretty much where I would leave it out because there's a lot that you have to experience for yourself unspoiled, I would say. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I mean, there's so many different endings in the Stanley Parable alone that, like, for the most part, like no two real playthroughs end up being the same unless you're going for a very basic like playthrough of like oh i'm just gonna follow the narrator um a fun thing that the narrator does also is after you went through the story a couple of times because there are definitely moments that you go through more than once yeah in the same order to get to different outcomes in the end uh, but because you uh, go through the same thing a bunch of times the narrator also sometimes says us blah 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 we know where this part is going and he just <laughs> shoes you along yeah mm -hmm. there's a lot of cool moments like that as well yeah definitely um, and the death of that game made the beginner's guide which is a different brand of the same idea where you have a, a narrator that's unreliable but he's telling you a story while you walk through someone else's games and the narrator is telling you all the things that these games mean from his perspective while you mm -hmm. walk through them uh which also uh builds its way up to a very gutting reveal at the end that I'm also not going to spoil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, The Stanley Parable and The Beginner's Guide, I think, are two of the best games ever made when it comes to storytelling. And mm -hmm. you should definitely play those if you're interested. Yeah. Um, I've never actually played The Beginner's Guide. I have no experience with it. Um, I've definitely played a lot of The Stanley Parable. I ended up finding that game absolutely, like... It's a very enjoyable experience where, like, half the time... Even though you might think you know what's going to happen, sometimes you just don't. And, like, you might accidentally, like, make a wrong turn somewhere. Like, you're like, oh, I want to go for this ending. And you're like, wait, where does this door go? I, I know even for, like, I know there's one ending, which I don't entirely mind spoiling, where you literally just go into a janitor's closet and you just stay there. Like, you just, you literally will just spend your entire time just sitting in the janitor's closet listening to the narrator talk about how you're not leaving the janitor's closet. And yeah, and he's like dumbfounded why you're even doing this, and after a while he gets a, he insult, yeah. insults you to get out to get you to get out of there, and yeah. then after he's done with all of that, you can just go back into the broom closet. Yeah, just... exactly. <laughs> and even in next runs after that, he locks the broom closet entirely, like it's all boarded up, and you're not allowed to go in anymore. And it's like, well, yeah. okay, great. Guess I'm never going for that ending again. Um. But yeah, I don't know. The game that you're talking about sounds really interesting, though. I really like the concept of storytelling in that fashion. Um, I I was going to ask something, and I feel like I, it's it seems to me that's going to be a definitive no. But I'm kind of curious, does the gameplay at all detract from like the storytelling experience in any way? Because I wouldn't. It's, it's a difficult call. I wouldn't yeah. say definitely not, because... Yeah. Because when uh, you're talking about since... it, like, the storytelling itself sounds great. Like, I really like the concept of, like, learning about different characters and then, like, for example, going into an area and then being like, oh, that person's just sleeping. And then you go over and he's fucking dead. And you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And I really like the, the concept thing... of, like, stories getting escalated and things like that. But at the same time, the thing is the fact that you're uh, physically walking through the country to get to where the stories are actually happening. Mm -hmm. um, makes sense in context because it's like uh, you are on a journey and the game makes you feel that way. It's just mm -hmm. that this journey mechanic, I will call it, uh, yeah. is so 
um, trimmed down and uh, flawed, and mm -hmm. it might, uh, it will not take you out of it because wow. the music is there to keep you in. But uh, it, it's gonna hamper maybe your experience a bit, especially when you're having frame drops. Mm -hmm. uh, or at one point, I had an issue where my character just wouldn't stop walking for like mm -hmm. a solid half hour. So I had to like be very reactionary with the camera to get to where I wanted to go. <laughs> it was very weird. After half an hour, it just stopped. Yeah. So just real quick, I I gotta address it. I've been getting up and stuff. My cat is being a really noisy asshole right now. I just want to just like, so if people who are listening to the podcast or who are mm -hmm. watching and seeing me get up and stuff, I don't know <laughs> what his deal is. I I thought maybe he was trying to be lassie, like my dad was hurt or something. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to get my attention, you know. No, he's not. He's just being a noisy asshole. He's not playing the cat version of lassie. <laughs> so <laughs> like I said, I'm sorry. I just wanted to interrupt. It just. In case anyone on the podcast feed or in YouTube or watching the stream is seeing me get up and stuff, I'm just gonna ignore him right now. I'm gonna try to ride my ride my knob. Um, Hot, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just gonna try to 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 ride my volume here. Uh, I apologize. Um, I just wanted to get that out real quick because I feel like I need to explain that. It's it's all good. Uh, it's it's fine. Like he just like, <laughs> I don't know if you guys can <laughs> heard that in the background. But I just, do, I do. He's just running. I, I don't get it. <laughs> All right, you guys can continue with the conversation. Okay. I apologize. Oh, uh, anything more that you want to know about this game? Because there's two more games I want to get into with storytelling aspects. Oh, before we uh, thing up. In that case, no, I think I'm good. Um, it sounds like okay. a great like way of telling a story. I don't know. It sounds like the gameplay is adequate. That's the way I'm like kind of imagining it. The gameplay isn't necessarily fantastic, but it's definitely like it, it serves its purpose more than anything. Mm -hmm. So the other two very notable instances of storytelling that I've seen in gaming recently mm -hmm. uh, was uh, for like Detroit came out recently and that's like yes. a David Cage game, like other David Cage games. And David Cage games have a really cool approach to choice mm -hmm. in video games. Um, sometimes his storytelling isn't the greatest, so um, the games tend to go off the wall after a while. Right. But uh, especially when it comes to stuff like Heavy Rain, mm -hmm. uh, having a choice influence so much of the game that you can end up with literally every playable character dead as one of the possible endings mm -hmm. is oh. really fascinating. That's and it's not done enough, I think. Mm -hmm. It's also difficult to do because uh, having choice. Uh, implemented in a way that David Cage games do, you have to gear the entire gameplay around that right. as a central mechanic. Yeah, um, but I still think that should be done more outside yeah. of just David Cage because I would like like CD Projekt Red to get their hands on a game like this. Mm -hmm. Like, can you imagine the stories that CD Projekt Red tell, but with the mechanics of a David Cage game? I think that would be mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, the one thing I was going to uh, going to like use as kind of an example is. Uh, what was the game? It was the horror game that was like a choices matter horror game. Until Dawn? Yes, uh, Until Dawn, yeah. where like a lot of the fails don't realistically matter. I mean, you can go through like you're getting chased by a murderer and you stumble over literally everything because you as a player choose to. You choose, I don't like this character. I want him dead. But he still ends up coming out totally alive. I feel like that ends up being like a really... 
it tends to break that little experience yeah. of like player choice where there's a limitation that a lot of people go with whereas like when you're talking about like there's an ending where literally all the characters can die i i agree i definitely agree there's not a lot of games are very scared of doing that and it's it's kind of understandable there needs to be a certain amount of like leeway like if you actually make a mistake like okay all right cool fine mm -hmm. but yeah if I'm playing until dawn and I trip over 20 branches, escaping one killer in one scene, I should be dead. I should just straight up be dead. There's no, there's no like way around that. Um, yeah. David Cage made that exact same mistake though with uh, Alan Page Simulator or Beyond Two Souls. Oh yeah. Um, yes, I played because that one. the story was told in a way that's not uh, chronological. You sprang mm -hmm. through her life. Through all yeah. kinds of different stages of her age, so she couldn't die at this point because right. she was alive at this later point that you already played. Yeah. So yeah. that was that was an instance where David Cage games totally fumbled upon their own mechanics. Mm -hmm. I feel, yeah. but it's almost he did like both extremes. I think on this, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's almost kind of like disingenuous in the storytelling or yes. in, in the idea that it that the player creates the story. In mm -hmm. um, it. Is it a do you think that's a limitation of just game development? Um, right? Because you can play like make your own adventure games, and those are only those are limited by your own your own imagination and a pen and paper. You mm -hmm. know, Dungeons yeah. and Dragons and those old school, you know, write your own adventure uh make your own adventure games, or you could do the uh you know, any other system um where the the GM and the players are the one that writes the stories. There's really no limit to that but you're within a program and certain right. things have to work within this program do you think that's part of the limitation it can be especially when you're telling your story in such a way like mm -hmm. uh i think with with beyond two souls especially he shouldn't have done it chronologically. i think mm -hmm. that was the experiment that he wanted to try but completely failed because you cannot implement both at the same time yeah so yeah, that was definitely a development limitation. The thing with games development is that the idea has to be solid in the first place in order mm -hmm. to be executed well. You can have a terrible idea executed well and it is a fun game. You mm -hmm. cannot have a, a terrible idea uh, executed in a way that just doesn't make any sense and have right. a good game come out somehow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a lot more of like... I don't know if say, for example, it's one person's experience, like their first time playing a game or something like that, and they're just fucking horrible at a game or something along those mm -hmm. lines, and they end up killing all the characters. And there's like they're just sitting there thinking that game was really short, to be honest. I, I feel I, I don't necessarily agree with it. Don't get me wrong. I feel like mm -hmm. that's the way that a lot of like uh, developers like publishing thinks about mm -hmm. it right where it's like it's not a safe idea to do so it's definitely not a safe money-making tactic obviously because they want to make money that's the job of publishing but at the same yeah. time developers also want to like stretch the bounds a little bit they want to make something a little bit unique nobody wants to make the same game twice like that's just not a thing so yeah, it's not needed basically yeah exactly so I feel like that's the way that I at least see Until Dawn, is that the concept is cool. I actually relate really the concept of, like, it's it's a play-your-own-adventure, there's a serial, like, there's a murderer, and he's out to murder you. Just straight up, and then it's, it's like those responsibility and people live or die. Huh? Like those old Goosebumps books. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. Um, it's just the issue of like the concept sounds great, and then in practice, a lot of times they just limit you just in random regards. Like, doesn't necessarily make sense if I'm going down. I already used the like example like three times, but if I'm going down a hill trying to escape a killer and I trip over five branches or something like that, I literally fail every skill check on purpose. I should die. Like, there shouldn't yeah. be the, oh, no, 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 you're fine, because you're important later on. You're super important. Are you Duh. sure you want this character to die? Are you yeah, certain? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I understand, like, maybe twice. Maybe. But, like, after the third time, mm. come on. I, I, I'm, at this point, I'm wanting death. <laughs> like, I want to die. <laughs> well, I would find funny in that instance if, like, after nine failed skill checks, you manage the tenth one out just out of, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna win this, yeah. and then immediately character save. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sometimes that's even a thing, too. And it's like, come on, man. I can't. I can't deal with it. I think it's in the same regard as where uh, a lot of, um, a lot of games really try to push you into the sense of urgency because urgency really makes like it creates fear. That's what a lot of like horror games base their like stuff off of. But the downside of a game is that if I really want to, I can just pause the game. Urgency nest like, like isn't really there for the most part, unless you're playing like a real time multiplayer game. Uh, the only other example that kind of does it sort of is something like dark souls or bloodborne where you can't actually pause the game the game is still running even if you pause but you can always walk away you can always just leave it's not necessarily like you're forced to be there um mm -hmm. so yeah i i feel like that's another struggle that uh storytelling in games definitely has to like figure out because a lot of people are also really scared of like uh making urgency like if you make urgency work that fear can like make or break a game for somebody it's it yeah, can be um... a great idea but it also can fail. It's, to, it's give a, to give an example of a game that made urgency uh, redundant over time, mm -hmm. uh, Outcast. Yes. That's like a oh. game that complete, like all the time it wanted to chase you through the hallway with the same damn dude chasing you again. Uh -huh. And after a while, like it worked the first couple of times. Mm -hmm. After a while, it just gets annoying. And that's how you do uh, urgency wrong. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. You the have last, mentioned oh, the ahead. last the last franchise I wanted to mention real quick. Yeah. Um, so I was uh, I started this last year, but I wanted to go through the entire FNAF franchise kind of mm -hmm. as an assessment because I was always of the opinion that FNAF is a shit horror game. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have me on again, I can go into that more detail. But let's <laughs> focus on the storytelling for now. Um, yeah. So uh, what FNAF is doing is they kind of feed you details of a story that you don't actually partake in. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like, you have, like, this this gameplay loop, which happens on its own, and the right. entire story is hidden in, like, secret stuff that you have to trigger, or, like, little details in those after-death minigames, maybe. Sometimes, like, a missing beak was, like, an important storytelling detail. It was something ludicrous like that, mm -hmm. right? It's um, And then uh, Scott Coffin, who is the creator of those games, pretty much let the community figure shit out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And after they didn't do it, after the fourth game, which was supposed to be the finale, he made a fifth one just to clarify stuff. Yeah. And then they still didn't get it, so he made a sixth one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. now the story is told completely, and everything that's... Like, there's still FNAF stuff to be scheduled to come out. But, every, mm -hmm. like, everything from this point on is just clarification and, like, side stories getting wrapped up and stuff like that. 
So that's a really cool way of storytelling that also not too many games have done. Having mm-hmm. like a span of uh, like, let's say four games or like multiple games uh, tell the same story, but have, have the storytelling happen as a puzzle. I mm-hmm. think that's a very cool way to get a community involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I And what I appreciate about that is that you're, is that he, because I haven't played the FNAF games, but um, you know, I always see the, fan theories and stuff like that that always pop up and with him adding more content in he's mm-hmm. not doing what like jk rowling does that she's infamous for mm-hmm. that she does the out <laughs> yeah. of out of canon retroactive yeah. character development in right. storytelling oh by oh. the way dobby is anti-vex <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah uh, grendelwald and dumbledore were you know this making was out in the back alley it's it, crazy yeah. <laughs> right this like out of context mm-hmm. out of essentially out of canon mm-hmm. you know it's only in canon because the author is saying it right but if anyone else said the exact same thing it's out of canon and in the same context you know it's not within an official storytelling capacity it's just and it's a poor way to handle a franchise and i think mm-hmm. he can scott kaufman is that how you pronounce his name right right scott kaufman. So, yeah yeah you know, he, he deserves kudos for that because he yeah. could have just put it on, on a fucking website, Destiny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> put it out on a fucking website and let it be. But uh-huh. to add more games and to like actually leave the clues for people, I think, you know, kind of de- deserves some some credit. Yeah. It could have just been really easy to just put it out on a website. And he doesn't even out. do it out of a monetary thing. Like if EA were to do it, they would like charge full price for every game they would put out. Mm-hmm. Right. But what Scott Cuffin did, some of the games that he put out to clarify stuff, he put out for free. Like mm-hmm. the sixth FNAF game, that's a mainline game he just put out for free, disguised as a fan game for a month mm-hmm. uh, before mm-hmm. people accidentally found out, oh, wait, that's the sixth game. <laughs> well, is that like somebody doing uh, some data mining? Is that uh, no, that was to... literally someone downloading the free game uh, Five Nights at Freddy's uh, Fast Bears Pizzeria Simulator or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, it, even uh-huh. if you look at the thumbnail on that on the Steam store, it looks like a cheap fan game. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's literally the sixth mainline game. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's also some cheeky shit that, he can, that we can give him some credit for because there's time. You know, not very many people could probably pull that off. Mm-hmm. No. Um, Except for like this kind of enigmatic. Thank you. (laughs) And this is your second language. Leave it to the German. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it to the guy. (laughs) Leave it to the guy who's a second language. Um, You know, yeah, this kind of mysterious figure uh, within the, you know, who keeps putting stuff out. I don't know how mysterious he really is. I don't know. He's a very private person for sure. Yeah. I was say, because everything I've kind of seen has, he's kind of mysterious and dark and. There are like two no, pictures of his face out there. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the other question is, is, you know, now that uh, it was this the last five night, five nights at Freddy's property to go out. No, because afterwards he put out like ultimate custom night, which didn't really mm-hmm. tell a story. It was just like a little epilogue that was yeah. also free. And now there, there's going to be a VR game out like this, somewhere okay. this year, which tells the story of two technicians. And then later on, he, he said maybe another uh, another game in the making and then also a movie that he has, like, shredded the script two times so far. Like, oh. at one point, the script was approved. It was final. Then he threw it out again. Mm. So what you're saying is MatPat is fine. <laughs> MatPat is great. 
<laughs> he is golden on content. <laughs> He's going to be golden for a little while, um, which I know the I know the feel of shredding a script. Um, <laughs> I have shredded scripts a couple different times uh, yeah. and I've uh, shredded even uh, outlines for all sorts of little writing projects that I've done um multiple times i know that feeling <laughs> i can i can i i sympathize deep within my soul um yeah uh that was literally all i had prepared for this talk i hope i could fill some time with this oh and no great play you play when what it tastes like wine fantastic <laughs> especially because i wasn't here for quite a bit of it trying to figure out what the hell my cat was doing yeah. Also, the suit was a terrible idea. Let me get that off quick. <laughs> <laughs> I say one of the one of the finest dressed uh, guests we've had. Um, oh, man. I mean, I'm not even wearing pants right now, so that's. <laughs> uh, I am. Ladies. I am wearing shorts, but uh, they're not pants. Long pants. Yeah, I like shorts. They're comfortable and easy easy to wear. I just right. live in, I I see that joke. I see you. <laughs> That Pokemon reference. <laughs> All right, Danny, what games did you play? Right Your turn. You know, I picked up Enderall again, uh, which is, we've talked about this before, the Skyrim mm -hmm. mod uh, that you can pick up for free. Um, if you have the, you pick it up from the um, Steam store. You just mm -hmm. type in Enderall and you'll find it. If you have a non-special edition of Skyrim, it'll run. Um, it's got me a little bit more now. Uh, and I, the reason I picked it up is I'm like, well, fuck, I started Enderall. I was kind of thinking back. I don't think I've completed a single player game on stream. Mm -hmm. This was strictly a stream game for me. Like I'm going to complete this. And I got I got a, uh, another three and a half hours in uh, last night. And the story picks up a little bit. The story feels um, once you get past once you get past this. Uh, test, essentially, like you have to go like through some dungeons and stuff. Once you get past this test, there's like way more, I guess you said stop real quick. There's more dungeons in this that you have to go through to get to the story than mm -hmm. in regular Skyrim, right? Regular right. Skyrim, like the dungeons you have to go through to really get the story going. Yeah, realistically, is isn't a lot. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, just, you just have to go through the barrow that's uh, by white by. Uh, yeah, white like falls barrow and then you're essentially done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the story, like then from that point on, you you just follow the mm -hmm. the, the main line. This was like, okay, we got to go through. There's like some setup, and then you know you wake up on the coast, and then these guys who help you die, but you're like having all these visions. You don't know about these visions, and then somebody teaches you some stuff, and then like they you have to go do some fetch quests for them. And then you got to go to the capital after you do the fetch quest. And then you got to do the, got to through another dungeon. And like, it's after that dungeon, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Now we can actually tell you the story, which is, you know, I don't know how much I want to reveal, but basically, um, so far as I know is that there's, uh, like this mage King, uh, knows about, this constant cycle of death and rebirth that the world seems to keep going through mm -hmm. and that certain events continually replay and replay and replay. But not only do these events replay, but so do the characters, the characters keep recurring and they keep doing the same thing. 
And so that you are, he and you are one of these characters, and there are other characters in this. And so Wait, now so it's like, okay, Skyrim Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's more like a, it's more like a cosmic Groundhog okay. Day. All right, okay, all right, all right. It's Go like on. a Groundhog Day, but like even <clears throat> more existential because it's space groundhogs. Got it. <laughs> yep, I am on it. <laughs> so kind of like going back to the storytelling now it's like okay uh it we essentially know like the story that has been told before but now can we change that story it's kind of like where it seems like the the theme kind of is going it's like you know what can this particular character do and now i'm like actually mm-hmm. kind of hooked into it and it took a little while. It took a little bit longer to get hooked into that story than it probably should have. Um, and that might be because of how many dungeons and other things. And like a little bit of like the learning learning curve that you have to go through uh, with this. Because they add, you know, a different leveling system and different craft, a little bit of different crafting and uh, perks and stuff like that. Um, of course, it also doesn't help that um, I suck and <laughs> struggled a little bit to figure out what I wanted to do for um, my my character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it took me a little bit to um, that. OK, I'm just going to be a fire mage, essentially like the, you know, they rename something. You have the elementalism, um, which is basically just destruction. And it took me a little bit to be like, OK, yeah, no, I'm just going to keep doing this um there was like i'd go through like one part be like okay let me try like with the bow eh, let me try with the sword and i think i said this last time i i just said fuck it all and went fire when i realized that a troll had the D uh mm-hmm. ability of regenerating health unless it was hit by fire <laughs> <laughs> which i didn't have a sword or a bow or anything like that that had a fire enchant on it so i said fuck it i'm just gonna burn this thing to death with my fire hands um <laughs> so that was kind of so that probably slowed me down a little bit but i yeah it it took me a little bit to kind of get into this this game hook Mm -hmm. or the story hook because the game is you know like i said it's just skyrim the game hook the gameplay is just skyrim so there's nothing there that's really drawing me in Mm -hmm. uh more than anything else like there's no super satisfying game loop other than you know maybe i want to feel super powerful right uh so the story had to make up for that and it took in i if I have like one criticism in terms of the storytelling for this, it's it took a little bit. It took mm-hmm. a little too long almost um, because there wasn't, you know, anyone else like me who's played Skyrim probably wasn't going to stick around um, much longer. Right. So the other than that, I'm going to continue playing that on my stream. Uh, I'm going to this is going to be the first game. Um, this is going to be the first game that I complete on stream. I got it. I got it. I got to I got to complete a single player game on stream. I've started Darkest Dungeon. I said fuck Darkest Dungeon after getting two collectors um, <laughs> in a row in my first two weeks. <laughs> oh man. I still can't get over that. That was ridiculous. <laughs> By far the worst start I've ever seen. By a landslide. New Fucking player Darkest gets Dungeon. wrecked twice off the start of the game. Only time I've ever seen it worse is when you die in the tutorial and then you're just sad. That's it. That's the only other time. Failing in a tutorial. Who does that? I don't even know, dude. I don't even know. You apparently can in that game, but I've never heard of anyone doing it. 
yeah i i've seen it a couple oh, yeah, of definitely times can. It if you if you don't know what you're doing that's a possibility yeah yeah <laughs> um i mean i mean that's like losing your first pokemon battle in um listen in, we were all like, kids once right. okay <laughs> yeah it, it happened to pretty much everyone on that first time <laughs> i've i've never lost the first pokemon battle oh ever. hot the hot thing is you just have over here the secret is you just OG. have to spam the you have to spam the attack that does damage that's the secret if you do the other one once your chances drastic go down yeah i will say like just real sh we are kind of getting towards the end here but i do want to say um I think I think I'm gonna have to buy a switch just for Gen Eight. <laughs> I might I, this and this sounds bad coming from me who's like, well, if you don't have to spend the money, but I'm like, I kind of want to splurge on, kind of want to splurge on myself a switch. I mean, you know, sellout like, mode right now, a fucking free year of Nintendo Online with Church Prime now. Yeah, like free actual year, which is awesome. I thought that was so cool. You know what else you get free with Twitch Prime? Man, I don't know. <laughs> Please feel free to tell it's me also about Amazon Prime as well. <laughs> uh, it, with Twitch Prime, you get a free sub to your favorite streamers, such as Oh my God, tell Dan me more and renditions. Go you give them your free sub to Twitch Prime subs. <laughs> Wait, who are you can't actually people? sub to me yet. I haven't enabled monetization yet. Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll know who this two. So are. give it to Ren. Give yeah, it, give it to Ren. I'll know who that is. <laughs> I love uh, it. Um, um, you said we're going to close into the end. I, yeah, I have a very yeah. fun thing that I wanted to talk about. Ooh, uh, yes, let's do it. Let's do that. So, um, it's imagine the most anime memory game ever. Mm -hmm. That's also one of the games that I've been playing. It's called Tropical Liquor, and it's basically it, it's riding on the coattails of Honey Pop. In, okay. uh, by which I mean it's like one of those dating sims that has like a puzzle mechanic as a date mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, but the characters and the writing are pretty terrible, uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to Honey Pop, which has actually great writing, I mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. um, so imagine like, I'm pretty sure every single Nekopara character is hidden in the game as some sort of other character, like in disguise. Oh, God, <laughs> Okay. The characters are even worse than Nekopara, I would say. They are very cliche, very one-dimensional, mm. and not fun at all. Like, uh... The premise is you are on an island for a month, because, of course, if you book an island resort, you book it for a month, naturally. We all are millionaires. Okay. Uh huh. And that's, on that island specifically, there is what they call a liquor game, which, in gameplay terms, amounts to memory with ice cubes in a glass. So if you solve one, then the other ones that are on the bottom go up a bit, which is literally the only tweak to memory this game has. You get a little time to memorize the colors. Mm -hmm. um, it's a three by four column in five and six colors, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six colors. Mm -hmm. And I found a way to break the game during my first 15 minutes of playing this. <laughs> So uh, here's how you do it. Uh, every of these colors, the colors are pink, green, blue, orange, purple, and um, red. Notice how those are pretty distinct first letters. What you can do is you can literally get a pen and paper, 
during the time that the game gives you to memorize it, you can literally write down the first letters of the colors and then just solve the game from there. What? And even on the hardest difficulty, you can do that. It is enough time to write everything down. <laughs> so every mechanics they put on top of this are completely worthless. There's a shop mechanic in this game. You don't need it. There is uh, a game mechanic with lives. You will never lose lives if you write down the columns. Uh, there, there are items in this game that you will never need. The game uh, has like a month in-game time. You will be finished after the first week for each run. So there are like eight characters in there that you have to date in order to get all the achievements. I am like, what's my, I'm, I'm three hours in and I'm mm. al almost done with the entire game. Oh, geez. So it's yeah. Like it has great yeah, replay value. Uh, for about five hours. <laughs> <laughs> then there's nothing left to do in this game. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so it's not a good alternative to Honeypop. I would say avoid this game at all costs unless <laughs> you can't wait for Honeypop 2 and need something to hold you over. Then buy this game only on sale. Wait, wasn't, wasn't a there a Honeypop 2? It's going to come out like later this year. I think in the next couple of months. It's not out yet. I thought there was a Honey Pop game. Another Honey Pop game. There is. Isn't there like some sort of... It's... I mean, there are a bunch of similar games. I can't remember what it is. Honey Cam Studio? Yes, that's it. That's a clicker game. That was a spin-off. Now there's a proper Honey Pop 2 coming out later this year. Okay. And I can't wait for that. But Tropical Liquor? Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> like every game that has mechanics that you can completely break by just taking pen and paper. Uh, clearly someone didn't think the mechanic through. Clearly someone didn't put enough thought in it to make the game interesting or challenging in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I am not ashamed to break that game because it was way too easy to get to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, there is a game I played this week that I talked a little bit to you guys about before we started the stream called Pixel Battle Royale. Oh my it kind of had like the same thing. This thing is just like a voxel. I just, I downloaded it for the shits and giggles. I actually kind of had an idea. Maybe I'd do that as a April Fool's joke as I was going to be like, this game is fucking amazing. <laughs> but there's, if there's ever a, a game where first off you have the option to put bots in, it's supposed to be a multiplayer game. That's eh, whatever. Obviously this game wasn't going to have a huge player base. But if the game mechanics are so simple and, like, you get bored from killing other players <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> That's because a bad guns, sign, yeah. Because the guns work in, like, the most predictable way that you can think of and the other players are probably kids. Um, that's a bad sign. <laughs> that's do not recommend even though it took me 30 seconds to download <laughs> uh, also it looked pretty bad didn't it it looks yeah, horrible this... from what i'm looking at right now yeah yeah it that uh so if the if the dev of pixel battle royale i'm guessing that you're just learning how to uh mess with unity let me give you a design tip real quick oversaturated and overly busy uh, and overly busy textures, textures for buildings do not look good. Go with your flat 
pale colors so buildings don't look like giant pieces of shit. Put an outline on it, it looks stylized. Yeah, put an outline. Yeah, put an outline on it, and it's gonna look like uh, the next uh, hip indie game. There's another design tip for you. Good job, uh, fan. I appreciate that. Uh, you're right. So, <laughs> yeah, like if you're gonna be playing around, with, like I'll I'll pick up these Unity games just for shits and giggles. But if my eye starts to hurt after 15 minutes of killing really shitty kids, <laughs> then. <laughs> Uh, you need to work on something. At least make your game not hurt to look at. Like I said, my eyes literally hurt. Like that's not. I'm not being hyperbolic. They just hurt. <laughs> oh man. Um. So yeah. Anything else, guys? Anything else we want to talk about? I think. Um. That I'm good. Yeah. There's another small one that I would recommend if you're into tactics games. Real mm-hmm. quick. Um. It's another animal one. It's called Moe Kuri Adorable Plus Tactical SRPG. <laughs> it's really good. Like, you don't even know the writing. Okay, the writing is way too sweet. I could take or leave the writing and the character designs. But uh, even though the battlefields look very plain, mm-hmm. this game is amazing if you love tactical uh, combat, like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics and stuff like that. Because... It's basically a mixture of Pokemon because you're uh, catching and training monsters, monster Mm -hmm. girls. Mm -hmm. Um, You're leveling them up and they get uh, abilities that you can swap out. So you can completely rebuild your team for every fight, however you want. There are like gods in this game that you can catch and train uh, a ton of replay value. Like this game has like 12 character classes that all play very distinctly from each other. Uh, you can go through the campaign multiple times to catch like all those gods and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the game gives you all the information you will ever need and all the time in the world during the combat. Like you can look at every stat and you can check the glossary at every time, uh, check weaknesses and stuff like that. If you make a mistake, it's on you. <laughs> and I love games like this. Mm-hmm. So um, it's also very cheap. And for the ton of replay value you get from this, I would definitely recommend this game to everyone who is not opposed to anime art styles. Yeah. It's really good. Cool. Uh, yeah. Anything else, guys? Oh, I'm great. I'm just dandy. All right. <laughs> I have. I Ren, have. Ren is going to go play a new anime game. I I'm have indie games for days that I could just recommend indie games for another hour, but I'm not going to do that <laughs> right now. I'm saving myself for another time. Oh, man. <laughs> well, well, when uh, for whatever reason, if Ren d- can't make it, I'll have an anime special. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I appreciate um, that. It's, if, if I'm gone, you could do that by all means. When you're gone, best <laughs> off my heart. I'm missing you. <sighs> all right, so thank you everyone who came by and uh, checked out the podcast today. Thank you for listening on the. Uh, on the podcast feed, if you're listening uh, on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, all that fun stuff. Um, fan, yes. let the people know where they can find you, what they're going to find when they get there. So uh, once again, very slowly, it's so was wie ein Fan. The name is over me the entire time now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's... difficult one to remember because it's German, but uh, trust me, I'm using it for everything. So once you remember it, you're going to find me easily everywhere. 
I would mm -hmm. recommend my Twitter at sowas we are in fan because that's where I literally link everything that I do because I have a very erratic stream and upload schedule on YouTube as well. So uh, I would recommend following me on twi Twitter because that's why I'm keeping you updated on what's actually happening. Um, if you're checking out my streams on Twitch, so what's your fan, then you're going to find me playing a ton of indie games. I pretty much never play AAA uh, because I don't have that kind of money. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to play all kinds of indie games and snark over them and critiquing them as I go. So mm -hmm. I'm going to, um, if I happen to play your favorite game, prepare for some serious tearing into. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, currently, I'm making my way still through the Five Nights at Freddy's uh, franchise. Mm -hmm. I'm on game two, and I'm looking forward to slamming my head some more against the brick wall that is Night 6. <laughs> so that's going to be happening. And I'm still making my way through where the water tastes like wine. So uh, you can check that game out if I'm deciding to stream it on Lucky Day. So, yeah. That's me. Right on. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, the description uh, of the uh, YouTube, VOD, uh, Spotify, all iTunes will have all those links down below. Uh, Ren, what's coming up on your channel? So uh, tonight, normally I don't stream tonight, um, but I'm probably going to be streaming tonight anyway. I'm going to be playing a lot more Siege more often. I've been having a blast with it, and I think I need to like just start mm -hmm. like focusing on playing one game for a while. So I'm going to be playing a ton of Siege for like the time being. Um, mm -hmm. still need to finish Breath of the Wild. I'm uh, probably gonna finish that sometime soon. I don't know when. Um, and I might be playing more Risk of Rain at some point too, as well. So yeah, that's that's what I'm up to. Twitch.tv forward slash renditions with two Z's because I'm dumb and I don't know how to spell. So yeah, that's 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 what I'm doing. Awesome. Um, coming up on my channel, like I said before, gonna be playing Enderall. We're gonna complete a single player game. Uh, we're gonna do it. <laughs> you got this. You got this. I believe in you. <laughs> my 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 brain is always one of those. It's just like, ooh, look at that, a new uh, new multiplayer game. Oh, my friend. I'm gonna give you my energy. energy. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit bomb. Um, so yeah, we're gonna finish. I'll try and fist. <laughs> so yeah we're gonna finish up ender all um make sure that you guys follow the podcast on twitter at ntn pod make sure you guys follow us and subscribe on spotify uh itunes stitcher google podcast you can also find us on youtube so uh go on ahead and subscribe to us on there uh other than that guys absolutely anything else you want to talk about nope. get nope. out of here all right and uh guys goodbye Bargas Turtles! You want a podcast for dialogue and a divisive time? Go ahead and check out Just Think on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.